Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you that you bless us and watch over us and that you love us and you want us to understand that love and live out that love. So help us to understand that more this morning, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, you're probably familiar with The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk is uh, the alter ego of mild-mannered physicist Dr. David Banner. And he was accidentally made radioactive by gamma rays. And so whenever he gets angry, he gets big and strong. Now, I show you that picture to remind you that you probably don't look like that when you get angry. At least I hope not. But we all get angry, don't we? And we all, our countenance changes when we get angry. And sometimes we try to repress that anger, but we, we can't do it. Our anger will come out. And the problem is we can't fix that problem ourselves. And that anger, these great emotions that we have, will affect our witness to the world around us if we don't allow the Lord to come in and help us in what's going on. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, and when you see yellow, please read with me. So let's read this together. He says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not the, let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. See, Paul acknowledges that we will get angry. It's a part of our makeup, a part of our humanness. But he says, in the midst of your getting angry, learn how to control that so that you do not sin when you get angry. There's an old Cherokee story called The Tale of Two Wolves where a grandfather is trying to teach his grandson about life. And he says to his grandson, there are two wolves that live within me, and they are constantly at battle with another. He says, one is evil. It's anger and arrogance and resentment and superiority and ego. And the other is good. He says, that one is love and humility and kindness and generosity and compassion. And this battle is going on inside me, and it's going inside of every person. And the little grandson had these big old eyes, and he looked at his grandfather and said, well, which wolf will win? To which the grandfather said, the one you feed. The one you feed. See, we have this war within us going on. Our sinfulness is there. It's battling against us. And, and it keeps us sometimes from living for the Lord. It keeps us from being that witness that we're called to be for the Lord. Jesus experienced that war within. The Bible tells us that even though he was sinless, he still experienced temptation just as we do. He experienced fear and anger and frustration. But he learned in the wilderness to control that temptation and not give into it. He learned to let the Spirit fill him and guide him and empower him to live in the way that God wants us to live. The Apostle Paul knew all about the, the war within. He says you can feed the flesh, which he meant the evil passions inside us, or you can feed the Spirit. So as Christ's followers, we need to let the Holy Spirit fill us with the fruit that will allow us to live as that witness we need to live as Christ's followers. And so these next four weeks, we're going to look through the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to 
talk about how we can be filled all the more with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. How can we let that root build within us, grow within us? How can we allow the Spirit to take that fruit and grow it in our lives so that we can be showing of ourselves to others that we are truly followers of Christ. As uh, Arnold read the fruit of the Spirit for us in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, I hope you noticed that it says fruit of the Spirit. It does not say fruits of the Spirit. So even though there are nine fruit of the Spirit, they're not individual like, you know, I have love and I have peace, but I don't have the others. Or I want to live out patience and kindness, but not really the others. You don't pick and choose which fruit you're going to live out. You don't pick and choose which fruit is going to be in your life. It is the fruit of the Spirit, all-encompassing. We receive all the fruit. His plan in us, when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit. And part of that is He fills us with the fruit of the Spirit. Are we going to continually feed on that fruit? That is the challenge for us. Are we going to continue continually feed on that fruit? So today, we're going to just look at love. As we wonder about love, love is a big subject, isn't it? And in the scriptures, love is a very big subject. And so I don't have the time. In fact, even if I took the whole hour, I wouldn't have the time to really go into the depth of the love that the scripture talks about. And so I encourage you, throughout this week, find verses that talk about how God loves us. Find verses that talk about how God wants us to love others. And continually instruct yourself in the word of God on what it says about love. But for our sake, what is nice is that we have Jesus as a perfect example for us. God took on flesh to dwell among us so that we might understand what it means to live in these ways. And so today we're going to look at some aspects of Jesus' life that show us how he lived out this love and how we can all the more live out that love. Now, it's not an incomprehensive list because there's so much to it, but I'm just going to choose four things that we're going to talk about. The first aspect is unselfishness. Jesus was unselfish in how he loved. Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love is not self-seeking. This is the truth of how Jesus lived. He took his eyes off himself, and he put his eyes on those to whom he was going to love. And we saw that in a great example in the scripture reading from John that Arnold read for us. It is a powerful scripture reading where Jesus comes to his disciples on the night before he was going to die. You can imagine the, the anguish in his mind thinking about what he was going to go through. But he took his mind off of that, off of what he was going to do, off of himself, and he put his eyes on his disciples. And he started to wash their feet. This made Peter especially very uncomfortable. Now, you probably can understand that. I don't know anyone that likes to have their feet touched by another person. <laughs> and I don't think I know anyone that likes to have their feet washed by another person. I did that one time at a Lent service. I brought some people up and I washed their feet. 
And that was, they were very, very uncomfortable when I was doing that. And yet here's Jesus doing that for them. Now, the other thing you have to understand is the culture back then, okay? Back then, it was the servant of the house that washed the feet of the guests. And just think about that time back then. It was dirt roads, and they wore sandals, and so you could just imagine what their feet was, were like when they walked into the house. And there's no servant that day because it was just Jesus and his disciples. And so Jesus got down, and he knelt down in front of them, and he started to wash their feet, even the foot of that, the one who was going to betray him. The unselfishness of Jesus showing, this is how you show love to another person, in unselfish way. And this is how I want you to show love to others. And so the challenge for us is, how willing are, are we to show love in an unselfish way? Not just when it's convenient, but whenever God puts that opportunity in front of us. But then we go to the next thing, which is love has no status. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, love does not boast, it is not proud. And how Jesus exemplified this was amazing. He, being God, the Son, the Son of God, left heaven to come to earth, to humble himself on earth, so that he might ultimately die on the cross for your sins and my sins, so that we might have hope, that we might have salvation, that we might have a right relationship with God. He loved us that much. And Paul talks about this when he says, love does not boast. It is not proud. Right? It's not about status. It's not about status. And then Paul says in Philippians 2, 6-7, and read the yellow with me. He says, Who, talking of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but what? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And so Jesus said, I have shown you a great example. I have humbled myself to love you. Will you humble yourself to love others? Will you not worry about what it looks like to another person? Will you not worry about whether you're having a high status or whether it's something that people are going to praise you for? Will you not worry about that? Will you just do it because it's there in front of you, I've given you the opportunity, I've, I've filled you with my spirit, I've empowered you to do it, and I've given you the opportunity. Will you do that? Will you love without status? See, so, so often our love is measured and calculated and designed and really to make us feel good about ourselves. Oftentimes when we love, we want to feel like, look what I did. Did you see what I did? I love that person. I feel really good about myself for doing that. No, it's not about us. It becomes about others. But then we look at the third aspect, which is kindness. Love is kind, Paul tells us. See, when we think about Jesus, we're quick to think about his power, right? How he overcame sin and death, how he was raised from the dead. Or we think about his passion, that he was driven to the cross to die for us. Or that his devotion, he gave up so much on our behalf. He showed such great devotion for us. We think about these qualities of Jesus, and rightly so. We should think about those. But Jesus also showed kindness and compassion, enough to deal with a blunder at a wedding. You remember the wedding at Cana, right? 
where they didn't plan well enough and they ran out of wine and Jesus turned water into wine. It's actually his first miracle. He showed kindness in that way. He showed kindness when he had lunch with a crook, Zacchaeus, a tax collector. He ate with him. People were not happy, especially the religious leaders, that he would eat with a tax collector. The people were not hang, happy with him that he would eat lunch with a crook. I mean, the tax collector stole from, money from them, right? Took way more than they were supposed to take. They were not popular people, and Jesus was showing love to him. Jesus showed the kindness to a suffering woman, a woman who had been bleeding for years, and he healed her. Jesus showed kindness when he forgave an adulteress a woman who had been caught in the act and was brought before her, and he gave her forgiveness, the forgiveness that no one else would show her. But Jesus showed her love in that kind of kindness. I've been really uh, proud of my children this uh, summer. Both of them started working, um, Tiffany part-time at Bath and Body Works and Tyler at uh, Northrop Grumman in an in internship. And when I thought about this kindness, um, Tiffany is making money, and then she's thinking, well, I'm going to have to tithe on my money. You know, it's a lot more than she normally has to tithe on. And she thought, how am I going to do this? And she said, I want to give my money to the Fosters. Now, the Fosters is a missionary family, friends of ours in South Africa, and they're actually going to be speaking um, at the end of the missions month. Um, so we'll get to meet them. Um, but Tiffany said, they're struggling with money, and I want to give them some money to help their family, an act of kindness. And then T Tyler came home one day and he said, you know, every day I drive by this homeless man and I want to do something for him. And so we put together a little bag of food and I think it took him a couple of days before he came across him again, but he was able to give this homeless man a bag of food. Such a simple act, but an act of kindness, an act of love, an act born of the, the Spirit of God working in them causing them to want to, to love. David said in Psalm 63.3, Your loving kindness, O Lord, is better than life. Have you experienced the kindness of Jesus? I hope so. Because once you experience it, it makes you want to share it with others. Right? That which we experience and we're blessed for, we share with others. And we get to the fourth characteristic, and that is love breeds trust. Several years ago, I went to Forest Home um, on a little trip. Forest Home has this wonderful ex uh, opportunity. As pastors, a pastor can go to Forest Home and stay for a few days during the week for free. They let you come and stay for free. So I, I wanted to do a little study leave there, and, and so I went there to this little cabin. It was just me in the cabin and my books, right? And so I had a great day of study that day, and and I was getting tired, so I got ready for bed, turned off the light, lay down, and as soon as it got quiet, I heard this little scratch, scratch, scratch. Scratch, scratch, scratch. You know what that is, right? It's a mouse. I'm like, oh no. I am not going to be able to sleep with this mouse in my cavern. So I said, well, I guess I'm going to try to catch it. Have you ever tried to catch a mouse? without any kind of mouse traps or anything. So I turn on the light, I pull the bed, I start pulling things away from the wall, I grab the trash can and I'm chasing the mouse around the cabin, right? <laughs> I'm glad no one was videotaping this because I'm sure it was hilarious. But by God's grace, I caught the mouse in the trash can. 
So now I'm looking at this mouse in the trash can, and this mouse is terrifying. This mouse is shaking like you would not believe. And so I, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I started talking to the mouse. <laughs> and I said, oh, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you, really. It's okay. Why would I talk to a mouse, right? So I'm talking to this mouse, trying to calm him down, and it's not calming him down. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to take you outside. I'm going to just take you away from my cat, okay? I'm... So I took him outside. I let him loose. I'm sure he's still shaking to this day, right? <laughs> but I thought, why would I do that? Because I wanted him to trust me. I wanted him to know that his life wasn't in danger. I wanted him to know that I was actually going to, you know, free him, right? So what... Could I have done? Maybe learned how to speak mouse or how? <laughs> or maybe I could have become a mouse and talked to him, right? And isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among us so that we would trust him. And in trusting him, we would come to know the love that God has for us, the deep, wonderful, unconditional love. And the love that God wants to then have us share with others. To let people know God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And as we love people sincerely and unconditionally, they begin to trust us. And maybe they might even ask about our story. Why do you believe, Jesus? Why do you believe in Jesus? Why is Jesus important? How does that change your life? How does that impact? And people trust you and begin to talk to you about it. God became flesh and put our, his, his self in our place. But let's just close with this, about talking about living out God's love. And I just want to close with a, a story that I think exemplifies this living out God's love. It's a story of a freshman named Kyle. Kind of a nerdy guy. He's walking home one day. He's carrying all his books. It's a Friday, the end of the first day of school that, that week. He's a freshman in high school. And there's another freshman. His name is Jim, and he's walking on the other side of the street, and he sees Kyle and thinks, who brings all their books home on a Friday from school? And just as he's thinking this, these other boys come up and knock his books out of his hand and push him, and his glasses go flying. And Jim looks at that and says, that's terrible. And so he runs over to go help Kyle, and the boys scatter. And so Jim grabs Kyle's glasses and gives them to him, and he introduces himself to him and say, you know, can I help you home? And he picks up some of his books, and together they walk home, and they start to talk together and get to know each other a little bit. And, and Jim says, you know, tomorrow I'm playing football with some of my friends. Would you like to come join us? And Kyle says, yeah, I'd love that. And so they started to become friends, and the friendship continued. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, they became the best of friends. And Kyle, being the nerd that he was, actually, became the, the valedictorian of the high school. And he got to give the speech at the end of the graduation. And I just want to read a few of his words. He says, graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through these tough years, your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell all of you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. And then he went on to tell them about his, the end of the first week of his freshman year when he met Jim. And he started to tell them that he had brought home all his books 
because he was going to commit suicide. And he didn't want his mother to have to clean out his locker, and so he's going to bring all his books home so that she wouldn't have to do it. And he told the whole class, he said, it was because of what Jim did for me that day that gave me hope. And it showed me that someone actually loved me. Someone actually loved me. That is the love that God wants us to share with others. God wants us to live out love. Love is powerful. Love makes a difference. Jesus died so that your life would be different, so that you would love differently. Do people know that you are a Christian because of the way you love? We read in John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. See, Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything he didn't do, right? He gave us example. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Read this with me. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That is my challenge to you today. That when you walk out that door and you go through your week this week, that you would love in a way that is different, that is deep, that is profound, that is powerful, that changes a life because you love them. Not just those you are comfortable with, not just those that you think will make you feel better. Everyone that God puts in your life this week, find a way to love through kindness, through unselfishness, through not worrying about what it looks like, sincerely so that they would draw close to you and trust you in the way you love them. Let's pray.